In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 to 27. It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? And all the people stand about you from morning until evening. Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor, and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out, both yourself and these people who are with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You will be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. To teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the ways in which they are to walk, and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people, able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate this honest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. They judged the people at all times. The difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they with themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he went his way into his own land. Praise God for the reading of his word. He may now all be seated. Exodus 1 to 18 is about God's deliverance and God's provision to Israel. Exodus 19 to 24 is about the law, the law of God. They say the Mosaic Covenant or God's covenant through Moses when he revealed the law. And Exodus 25 to 40 will be about the tabernacle, their place, central place of worship. So Exodus is actually divided into three major parts. First, God's deliverance. He delivered Israel. Number two, the law, starting with chapter 19. That is the beginning of God delivering the law to the people. And lastly, the place of worship. They're about to become a more organized nation. Because that was God's promise, that they would be a nation. God's promise to Abraham, that we be, he would be a father of many. But the nation must be built. That was God's plan. So that one day, the Messiah would be born through this nation, the nation who believed only in 
the one God, the nation who would have the laws of God and the ceremonies that would reflect what Christ would do one day on the cross. God would build this nation and build it up. The history will be built up until the fullness of time, as Paul would say in Galatians. Until the fullness of time. At the peak of time, Christ would be born. And he was born at the right time where there was an international language. Like today, we have English. Then they had Koine Greek. They had Greek. Therefore, one person can go to many nations speaking one language and they would understand each other. At the fullness of time, and in Christ, Christ commissioned his disciples and said, Go and make disciples of all nations. Fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant, saying, God saying to Abraham, You shall be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And that will be finished. We are still in the middle of that. Take note, I'm sharing to you God's grand plan so you know where you fit, where we fit. In God's grand plan, we must make disciples of different ethnes. The word nations there is not geopolitical. The word nations there is languages, tribal languages. It means ethnicity. And we shall succeed by God's grace because in Revelation chapter 7, it declared there that John saw in a vision that every tongue, tribe, and nation will be worshiping God. That means we shall be successful. But that does not mean because God destined it, that does not mean that we can take it easy and, oh, if it's God's work, he'll do something about it. Remember that God, when God works, there is that divine side, which is him, but he prefers working with the humans as well. The same way as the Bible was written. It was God's will and God's intent, but he had to use human vessels and put his intent in their hearts, and they had an intent in their hearts as they looked at situations and they wrote. That's what we study as pastors or should be studying as pastors. Here, they're about to become a nation. That's the story. This is the micro story out of that big plan of God. My question to you, are you part of God's plan? I, I hope you are. Because if, you, if you're just living for yourself, not finding your place in God's plan, then, oh wow, you're missing a lot. True salvation results in a calling. A calling of what? To follow Christ. We follow Christ. We follow Christ. And what he taught us and what he wants us to do, that's in our hearts. And we don't do it, uh, we shouldn't be doing it because we, were, we feel forced to. But because God changed our hearts, we are given a new heart, now we want to. And that's the difference between a true believer and a believer that may be not sure of their salvation or maybe they're not truly saved. Because the Holy Spirit, if true faith is there, transforms the heart. It changes us. The experience changes us. He changes us. There's something in the heart that desire changes. 
The passion for God is now there. The hunger for the word is now there, which before was not. Here, let me share to you why Moses must learn some management skills from his father-in-law. When, if you read this, it doesn't sound so spiritual. But the thing is, there are things on this earth that we must learn that may not seem spiritual, but are useful in the kingdom of God. That's why whatever your profession is, whether you are a mechanic, a teacher, or whatever skill, God would like to use our skills for his kingdom. That is his design. See, God chose Moses to deliver 600,000 Israelite men. Not counting women and children. If you count them, we can estimate it to about 2.5 to 3 million Israelites. That was a big task during that day with no cell phones, no Facebook groups, no way to just speak to everybody. They have to be organized. Moses dealt with the Israelites, leading them, but included in leading them was what? Grumbling and complaining. They grumbled and they complained against Moses. We read that. We studied that. And then they also had complaints towards one another. Whenever there's a community, we are bound to have certain complaints. Why? People are emotional and not all are mature. Others are more mature and say, oh, let's just understand where they're coming from and pray for them. Others would not be so mature. They would like to fight it out. And others are not clear who is right and who is wrong here. Therefore, they need somebody to tell them they need a judge. In these days, that's what pastors do. <laughs> Pastor, what should we do? This is the situation. I must share what is from the word of God. And when I speak to you, if you come to me for advice, I have to be careful to share to you what exactly the word said and what is my opinion. Even I must be very careful. All pastors must be very careful. If it is opinion, my personal opinion, without its rootedness in God's word, I should not say that's what the word of God said. But I can show you if I am so sure this is what the word said. Then I say to you, not just an ordinary man, but now as a messenger of God. This is God's word. Follow it. Have faith in God. Trust God and obey it. And if it's my opinion, I would say, have a better haircut. That's my opinion. The Bible did not give a standard of what a haircut should be, right? <clears throat> now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, observed that Moses judged cases from morning till night, right? You can find that in verses 13 to 16. Morning till night estimated 2.5 million people. Morning till night judging cases. I can't even imagine morning till night, that's most of what they're doing. 
you know what I might do? Mix up the cases. You know? Uh, kayo ba yung ano, yung, yung nagnakaw ng manok? Hindi po, baboy. Ay, sorry. So, baka mo pagpalit-palit, you might interchange some of the cases because humanity or human strength has its limitation. So, the father-in-law who paid a visit and declared that how great God is, I know that your God, God is greater than any other gods. And Jethro, my friends, is not necessarily, we're not sure if he's really a monotheistic believer. What is a monotheistic? Believing in the one God. He's probably polytheistic, believing that there are many gods, but Yahweh is the greatest of them. He's probably on that side. So Jethro is a, a, a form of somebody who might sympathize with what we're doing, recognize who God is, how great God is, yet not necessarily believe in the one God, that there's only one God. That is a plausible theory. But Jethro gave an advice, perhaps out of age or skill, experience, and knowledge. So Jethro warned Moses about his method. Method. First, God chose the man. Now the man must also learn methods. But it's not method first before the man. Some people look for programs in church. I said, not yet programs, people first. I can't launch anything without a solid commitment from somebody that they will see it through. Because it's easy to launch programs and it's easy for it to die. And we have experienced that here as well. Little programs that start and are gone. So much like our New Year's resolutions, right? We make a resolution. Okay, starting uh, this year, I will not eat pork. I'll give you maybe less than three months. Oh, but some of you make it, right? But the greater majority of us would say we don't make it. You say, this year, I will not eat uh, sweets or, or because I'm diabetic. And then uh, the first time when nobody's looking, you take a bite of that sweet thing. Uh, so please do not declare it before God. Don't say, God, this year, this is my commitment. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. Your humanity will fail you. Now, Jethro said, this will not work. You will get tired. You will get stressed. And it's not good for you. And it's not good for the people. You know, the right amount of stress is good for us. The right amount, not zero stress. Uh, some people gone on believing that there should be absolutely no stress. You know what happens with no stress? No growth, no strength, no muscles. No strength, no learning, no butterfly, caterpillar forever. No change. We need enough stress. Not too much. Too much can kill us. Too little does nothing. Laziness, no accomplishment, the first sign of difficulty, ah, I'll change, I'll do something else. Then they start again. First sign of difficulty, no, I don't like this anymore, I'll learn something else. And then the first sign of difficulty, oh, this is too difficult. Unless you go through the stress, 
That's the only time you will learn something worthy of learning. Special note, that is special note for the younger generations who never get to finish many things. Uh, oh, not all, not all. God is good. Now, I will be sharing to you something that is very practical. But how does this is connected? Management skills, delegation. How is this connected to the whole Bible? How is this connected to God's plan for Israel? Well, God's plan is to build a nation. Therefore, Moses must learn to organize this nation. He must have some leadership skills. He must know how to choose people. He must know who to choose. And he must entrust them with this, even if they fail at times. He cannot just choose anybody. There is a criteria. That's why it takes time to choose somebody, because the Bible gives a criteria. And it's here. We saw it here. We cannot just say, you lead this, you lead that. In desperate moments, like if sudden war broke loose, some of you will become... Soldiers, no, I think all of us might turn into soldiers or, or what? But some of us will step up. You become the sergeant, you become the lieutenant. Sometimes it may happen that way because of an emergency. Now Moses, who should not only talk about spiritual things, he must teach the law of God, the word of God, but he must learn to organize. In these days... We must learn some management skills. You understand why I study a lot, not only the Bible? Because we need that in today's world. So God allowed, point number one, God allowed Moses to learn from Jethro. From Jethro. Who's Jethro? The father-in-law. Isn't that pleasant to learn from your father-in-law? For some of us, yes. For some of us, not so much. Uh, especially if your father-in-law is very successful. Like Jethro. Jethro is not his, his proper name. Jethro is the title. Jethro is like the honorable. It's like uh, your honor. His real name is Reuel. It's Jethro Reuel, or Reuel Jethro. I don't know where they put their honor before or after. In these days, we do both, right? When we sign our name at the end, MD, PhD, DBA. Sometimes we do it at the start, doctor, attorney. They even put pastor there, which should not be. You know why? Pastor is a function, not a title. That's why I prefer you call me brother. But you must understand if I'm functioning in spiritual authority, you have to recognize the word of God that I speak. But it is not a title. It is not a title of honor. But Jethro is a title of honor. Jethro. So God allowed Moses to learn from Jethro, the father-in-law. So Jethro advised Moses to teach God's law to the people. Okay, teach the people God's law. Verses 19 to 20. And then Jethro advised Moses to look for, okay, this is the breakdown, okay? This is in verse 21. 
Able men who fear God. First, able men. Able men means the ones who have the capacity. They can understand. They can lead. They can judge. Choose able men. Not just able men, but they must fear God. They should be men of truth. And they must hate dishonest gain. Or should not be covetous. Hate dishonest gain. Can we put that up, verse 21? If you have a verse there, let's read that verse. So, furthermore, you shall select out of all the people, all the people, number one, able men. Can you say able men? Able men. Able men, okay? Don't forget that. But it is not just men of capacity. Oh, this also applies when we vote in a democracy, okay? Please do not vote incompetent men or women. How would you know? Ask them a difficult question. Ask them simple thing like, how do you propose to increase the buying power of your constituents? Simple question, right? But not everybody thinks about that. But a local official should devise a plan for that if he is able to think that. If he can't think that, Oh boy, we've been voting people who don't even think that. Forgive me, I'm not angry at you. Please stop voting stupid people. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. I'm saying that. I'm a sinner like everybody else, but do forgive me. Who fear God, men of truth, truthful. That's why it's good to test somebody in small things, if they will lie or not. They have to be learned to learn to be truthful in the small things. That is a biblical principle. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in greater things. If you're a cheater in small things, you'll be a cheater in bigger things. If you steal little things from an organization, then you will steal more things. So I do believe that a person that must lead is able to be truthful in the smallest detail. Men of truth. And those who hate dishonest gain. The opposite is honest gain, right? Those who would like to gain or do business or work for money or work for something in an honest way. Find these people, Pastor Ed, or Brother Ed, sorry, got used to it, you calling me that. Brother Ed, there's no one to vote for. I can't see all these things from them. Pray for the closest one. That's the best option. So, there's a criteria. Even in eldership in church or pastoral ministry, there's a criteria in the New Testament. But that, we will not discuss that today. So, this is what you do. Look for these men. Most of the time, what I do is to engage men. To look for leadership potential. And one of the few things I say is, can you read the Bible? They have to first be faithful there, right? So have you finished the Bible? And then the next is how is your family? How are you leading your family? How are you blessing your family? 
Do you invest enough time with your, your wife and children or your spouse and your children? And do you listen to them, not just speak to them? I, I look for that. And I engage them and I say, you have to do this. I say, you have to take responsibility first in the family. If you can take responsibility there, what does it mean to take responsibility? It doesn't sound nice, but gentlemen, I always think whatever happens in the family, it is always my fault. That means I have to double check everything as a father. I have to double check everything. I have to pray, pray hard about it consciously about it be observant and always hopefully being an encourager to my children yet at times somebody who corrects and the same time as well to have a wife that is focused on Christ and secured in our relationship I look for it those who can do that in the family what about single what do we look for still I would see how they serve their own families as children and see how they volunteer in small things. If they can be consistent in small things. For example, if I say, somebody says to me, Pastor, I want to be mentored. Okay, first step, join me in my growth group. Mentoring is not always one-on-one. -on -one. Remember, 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, in the things you learn from me in the presence of many. Mentoring happens as well in a public place. Learning from somebody, first join me there. Then I observe how consistent they can be. Once I see a lot of consistency, then we impart knowledge. We impart knowledge and when the knowledge is there and I see the application, able men, they're able. Well, in the Old Testament, the standards are not as high as the New Testament, especially in church. Now, when you find these men, you see, the standard of God is here. We are living here. What should we do? First, acknowledge we cannot reach God's standard. That is the grace thing to do, right? Hello? We cannot, Lord. That's why I need your grace. I am depending on you, Lord. Change me, build me, transform me. Not, I will discipline myself. One day I will reach the high standard of God. Uh, no, you actually missed the point. The point of the gospel is you cannot. We cannot. God's standard is very high. And the only way to approach it is to acknowledge the grace of God at work in us. Always asking, praying for the grace of God to work in us. I can't do this without you, Lord. Only through you can I be transformed. So Jethro advised, put these... Putting these over them, I'm quoting, over them, the Israelites, as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, fifties, and tens. They got organized. Much like the Philippines has a local government code authored by the, well, Senator Nene Pimentel. Because we had to be organized in such a way where... There is an official close enough to be responsible for us rather than us falling in line in a centralized approach. So we somehow decentralized it. Some are asking for more decentralization through the federal government. But then it's a question of timing. Is it time for us to go there? 
Uh, I'm not pro or against. I'm not speaking about that right now. I'm just saying that Moses had to do is to reorganize things so that the nation of God would be built. In the same way in the New Testament, the nation of God is his body and we need to be organized as well. Now, the approach would be the chosen men, chosen men would judge the people at all times. Can you say at all times? At all times, but they were fewer. Some of them are leaders of only 10 people. It means if there's a dispute, if it's too small a dispute, what? Settle it there. Settle it there. Then if the dispute cannot be settled in the ranks, that's when... Moses, that's when you should hear, should listen to what? To the dispute. Kumbaga, yung pinakamahirap lang. Only the most difficult cases must go to Moses. Take note, that is what I have been building by God's grace, me and my wife, for the last six years now. Around five years to put you into growth groups. And each growth group leader must be connected somewhere because if they're not connected somewhere, if they can't handle the case, how can they communicate it upwards? So that's why we have a structure here where only the worst problems come to me. If somebody was demon-possessed, let the growth group leader first take care of that, right? <laughs> if they say... Pastor, I can't handle it. Okay, who's your... So there's this growth group leader here, but this growth group leader should belong to another growth group. He listens there. He, this one here, he leads. They need him here. In that part, he needs them. Then he goes to his own leader. I don't know how to handle a demonized person. Can you do it for me? Then they say, I had one experience. Why don't we try? So they both try. Where is it? Where is that person? And when just saw the looks of it, oh, wow, this looks like it's in the movies. You know, this little girl having a deep voice. I'm not qualified. Okay, let's look for one of the pastors. Not me yet, okay? Not me yet. You look for one of the pastors and say, can you cast out the demon-possessed girl there? So they should say yes. But if they say no, then I have to do it. Right? Is it clear? These are not even small problems like problems somebody got hospitalized and there's not enough, not enough support there. Where does support happen first? It happens first in the growth group. Not central church. No, 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 no. Uh, they should help one another first. That's the community at work. They should help one another first. One helping the other. At one time, somebody is in need. The others have more. At another time, this person has more. The others in need. But please contribute to the growth group. Do not be a parasite. The New Testament warned us about that. Paul said, to them who do not work, neither let them eat. Get rid of the parasite. In the growth group, Everyone contributes to each other. That's how we become strong. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, we have a community. But it should be a community that's centered on Christ, founded in the Word of God. That's why if you're not connected, 
How can we know what's happening here? We know. I understand what's happening to many people because people are connected. Oh, but these groups will never be perfect. Not as perfect as you. I'm sorry. Because you're too perfect, you can't join them, right? You're too perfect. Your standard is so high. And you don't like so many people. You only like a few people. Your standard is so high that you, 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 you see a lot of negatives. The thing is, they think you're the problem if you think that way. But you know, so many things reach me and I get to pray for them. Saying, this person has an emergency. So we first say, let the growth group leader deal with it. But we are ready to support whatever happens. I've been doing this in every church I planted. By God's grace, I am healthier than many pastors. Many pastors I see are like Moses burnt out. What's happening? Oh, so many problems in church. How about you? Yeah, many problems, but many problem solvers. <laughs> if there are many problems, you have many problem solvers, then it's, it's cool, right? Uh, so we train the growth group leaders. We build our relationship with them. We value them because they have to lead God's people. Then they ask me, how can you do all this? You can study for a doctoral. You can do business. And, and we see the church is being blessed by God somehow. Uh, I'm building leaders since I came here. I'm hoping it would be faster but it's taking longer than I wanted. Because when I say, okay, this is what we do, then they go to a default setting. You know default setting? Default setting. Your phone has a default setting. You know? Preach repentance. Then they would preach, accept Jesus and repent. I said, just preach repentance. It takes five years to do that, to change their language. Then what? This is what we do. We develop 12 or at least Three, six, nine, twelve, whatever the number. And commit ourselves to them that they may grow. And when they grow, they will lead others also. As in, in 2 Timothy 2, 2, we make, teach them how to be faithful. And these faithful men should teach others. We're still committed to the many, preaching to the many. And then many are disappearing, not steadily growing, growing, growing the base where they are more committed Oh, we should preach to the crowd. You see how we can be a blessing to one another if we are faithfully connected to one another. That's in Ephesians 4. Okay. That's why I'm here even in the youth. I'm here. Why? Somehow that's how I get connected. I just don't attend the women's ministry. My wife takes the lead there. But she reports a lot to me. What are you discussing? What are you teaching? She runs it through me. What are you reading? So let's go to number three. And Jethro was ethical in giving the advice. So let's another point is giving the advice. Jethro was ethical in giving the advice. He used phrases like, I give you counsel. And God be with you. So he's not, he was not imposing himself. If you look at the translation, it says, listen to me and I give you counsel. And if God commands you so, those are very good words, very careful words. Only one translation says, listen and obey to me. 
obey me. So that's only one translation. I think it's really more of, listen, I give you advice. What's happening here is not good. You will burn yourself out. You will be so stressed out. And the people will be so stressed out. And you know, Jethro explained how it would benefit Moses and the people. When we give advice, let me just segue right now. This is not the main topic, but this is a small topic. So when we give advice to one another, we have to be as gentle as we can, right? As ethical and courteous as we can. You say, uh, it's not that I am imposing on you. I would just like to share to you a perspective. As kids grow up, you dialogue more. These are my suggestions. So I give them suggestions for their life and their future life. But there are things that I don't suggest. Hey, wash the dishes. I don't suggest that, okay? I don't. May I suggest that you wash the dishes? I don't do that. They say, who ate this? Who used this plate? Wash it, please. I give a command to that. But in other things about the decisions they have to make in life, the career they have to make in life, what is God showing you? It is not what I see in you. That's secondary. I will pray with you. May God lead you. I cannot push my generation into them. You see, what worked in the, the generation of my fathers does not work, did not work for me. In, in the generation of my fathers, once you graduate college, you always have a work, right? In my generation, as long as you part, pass some board exam, you get a title, CPA or attorney, then you're secured or MD. In these days, I have met those with those nice ending titles and uh, they're almost 50. I said, I almost want to ask what happened to you. Very few actually do succeed now. Things have changed. The world has changed. The way uh, business is started has, starts has changed. Many things have changed, but not everything has changed. They're old traditional advice that's still, that is still true today. So Moses followed his father-in-law's advice. Moses also expressed the farewell. You know, after Jethro gave him advice, immediately the verse said, goodbye. Okay. I don't know if it means anything or the writer was saying anything. Maybe nothing, maybe nothing. Uh, but it's not always good to receive advice for many of us, right? We're not used to it. So I suggest that you learn to get used to it. So if somebody's trying to impose on you, you can change the language. Are you suggesting this? Ah, right. What is your plan? There's a nice way of, of rebutting somebody who's imposing themselves at you. You can ask the questions. Or if somebody's manipulating you nicely to lead you to a certain direction, which Jethro did not do, he stated clearly, this is how my advice will benefit you and the people. And I prefer that discussion. This is how this will benefit you and the people. But this is the negative side of it. And I like sharing that. If you do this, nothing is perfect. Because if I advise somebody, do this and everything will go well. That is a lie. We know that in this world, nothing goes well 100%. Something goes wrong. 
That's why if some people want to get married, I say, have you prayed about it? Are you sure you are making the right decision? And not, that is not, should not be based on your emotions and feelings. I know you're making a decision based on your emotions and feelings. But can you step back and look at everything, the negatives and the positive, And can you really say that this is a good decision? I say you have to know what the word of God says. What is a man of God? What is a woman of God? Then you have to be led by the spirit of God. Which means you have to be very prayerful about it. And number three. You have to be practical about it. Not just emotional. Practical. What is the practical side of it? The Bible side we know so well. What's the practical side? Can he provide? Amen. Oh, but Pastor Ed, I will provide. Okay. At least that's clear from the start. Or if he does not provide, is the, cannot earn as much as you, can he contribute? Because he, he must contribute one way or another. There must be some contribution. Will she be supportive of you or judgmental of you? Those are big questions that should be settled before getting in. People should be warned before. You are not to judge one another. There are roles here in scripture that you must follow and support one another to succeed in it. Well, if you do this, you'll have a better marriage. If you don't do this, you will increase the conflicts. That's how I give advice. If then, if then. It's very simple. What you do has an effect. God is good. So please learn. Uh, we have to get more organized as a church this year. I pray that there would be more growth groups. Join a growth group. But not only that. We will train you. We will share to you God's word. We started last year on the more serious stuff. Before we were sharing to you simple stuff. But last year we started with Romans and Exodus Hopefully this year we have Colossians since Doc Steve started giving the background of Colossians. So we might enter the book of Colossians this year or probably 1 John. And uh, we'll also have how to be part of God's kingdom. How can we all be connected? Because that is how I see we applying this thing in the Old Testament here. Application 1, God allows us to learn earthly skills from others. Includes family in-laws as well yes you can learn from your in-law if you learn to smile amen uh, but I know because you are believers you have a wonderful relationship with your mother-in-law and father-in-law so uh, Christians should try their best to have a good relationship uh, then even learning from others and even experts because Jethro was a, uh, a symbol of an expert somebody who knows what he's doing Somebody who is experienced. Don't try to do things on your own. If you try to do things on your own, you, you will make many mistakes. It's good to get advice. If you're investing for the first time, please do not invest in a scam. If you're choosing a career, know the impact of the career, not only in your pocket, not only in your bank account, but the impact of your relationship with a future family. You should also assess that. Are you willing to pay that price? 
we must learn and we must be willing to be taught that we may become more effective in serving God. Can you say serve God? Serve God. Please serve God, all right? Number two, we must learn to teach able men. Ah, we have to teach what we learn. This can be applied in the family. Making our sons and daughters able people. And it's not just school who makes them able. We can find the mentors for them. One thing I do, I do not only mentor my children. I find mentors for them that they can learn from. Or I encourage them to look for other mentors. I have thus introduced one of my cousins to them who is very good, very, very good in what he does as a professional. Excellent. One of the best. Why? I am limited. Can you say I am limited? <laughs> we are limited. That's why we need others in church. We have to be connected. Everybody's limited. Your concept of things is limited. It's good to listen. It's good to be taught. And we must teach them. And learn to delegate some responsibilities to them. Yes, Please do not be part of the generation who has spoiled their children. You think you're not spoiling them, but sometimes we are. We must give our children responsibilities. And we must steadily increase their, these responsibilities. Not too much, not too little, just the right amount. Don't say, no household chores because I want them to focus on study. That makes for a weak person. Somebody must be faithful in small things. And learn that so that they can be faithful in bigger things even in church we encourage you can you do this if you say yes please do it well we'll give you all the help you need you just have to tell us don't tell those who can't help you some people like to discuss they're like politicians they love discussing 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 but who among you there can make the decision nobody so what do you do you talk to the people who make decisions and say this I suggest this I advise because this is what I'm serve, how I'm serving in church, and we will give you a response. But the first response of the elders is first how to support what you're doing. The principle should be applied in the kingdom of God, like in our own growth groups, we have to apply that. But it may also be applied at home and even in organizations. Number three, we must thank God for our advisors. Has somebody advised you in life? and it was a good advice, then we have to thank them. Thank God for them. And if you see good people that might advise you, build a relationship with them. Isn't that selfish, Pastor Ed or Brother Ed? No, it's not. It's good. Build a relationship. How do you build a relationship? By contributing something to their lives. By finding a way how you can help them in one area so you can get that advice, not as a beggar. Not as a form of charity. But hey, can you advise me? In return, these are my skills. I'm at your disposal. Please never beg. You hear me? Never ever beg. David said that I was young and now I am old. And I have not seen the righteous beg. We do not beg. If you need something, you offer a service that can give value to their lives, to their families, to their organizations. But clearly saying, but this one I need you to help me with. Do not beg. There are many advisors even in this church. 
can advise you how to find work, how to start business from zero. Oh yeah. How to give you opportunities. It's the more you're connected with us, the more you'll see that there are so many opportunities if you're willing to learn. So many. Even if you think you've lost your touch. But number three, when we give advice, we must thank our advisors, but we must, you know, we must appreciate them directly. Showing courtesy. If they gave you advice, acknowledge the advice even with others. You know, somebody advised me. It's this person. I remember this person gave me advice and it worked. Acknowledge the person. Do not be a plagiarist in academic terms. Don't claim it as your own if you learned it from somebody. Acknowledge those who gave you advice. And if it is your turn to give advice, let us be courteous. You can smile. I remember once, it's like in the movies, some company hired me, the CEO hired me to fire one of his vice presidents. I said, what? Okay. Because I did an analysis of the whole thing. And when I gave an analysis of the whole thing, uh, I made these metrics and then one of the vice presidents didn't pass and I have to continue the work. I had to be courteous and give them a good background. I said, I'm not gonna lie to you, you didn't pass. You have to resign or you will be fired. This is not a Philippine company or you will be fired. But here is what we can do for you. I have talked to them that if you need recommendation, they will focus on your strength, not your weakness. That somebody calls them, they will emphasize your strength, not your weakness. If they ask the weakness, they will have to be honest, but they will overshadow it with your strength, which gives you a good opportunity to look for another executive position. That's my best way of being courteous. I wasn't always courteous, not like Jethro. Why? Because once I used to watch The Apprentice and I liked the line, you're fired. <laughs> but then being more biblical, you see Jethro giving advice and being courteous. Number four, let us become able people who fear God. Become the able people who fear God. People of truth and hate dishonest gain. Everything must be open. People should know about it. You don't manipulate your way through it. Somebody was trying, trying to sell me a property. When I look around the property, I saw a hidden crack caused by an earthquake. And I asked, would you buy this yourself? I talked to that broker, will you buy this yourself? Why didn't you show me that first? That is dishonest gain, unethical. You don't change the deal. If there's a deal, there's a deal, even if it's not written. If there is an agreement, there's an agreement. You don't just suddenly change it without asking permission. If I made a deal with you, if it must be changed, then I must consult you. I think we have a better approach. Will you agree with me? You don't just suddenly change it. You don't hide something so you can gain. 
not revealing everything for you just to make money. I've been honest as much as I can. If somebody lies about me, I can defend myself. They're the liars, not me. It's good to sleep with a good conscience, right? Why? Because we fear God. And what we do has consequence. But because we did what God said, we can trust God. What's the importance of learning many things? Learn the Bible. Learn scripture. Learn the law. Jethro said, teach them the law. Then develop leaders. Look for able men and put them in place. I would love to do that because the kingdom of God must grow. God is good. I pray that you step up, that I may share the burden of leadership. But you see, I cannot just delegate. First, I need us to be faithful. Three things I ask, very simple. On the external Sunday service, growth group, prayer meetings. On the internal, on yourself, read the Bible, pray every day. Have faith in God. And obey the Bible in faith, not because you're forced to, but because you believe it. Let us all rise and let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness. What we learned today, Lord, may be about management, delegation, choosing the right people. Yet, in the context of Scripture, it has great significance in building your nation. But even today, as we think on how to apply this, Lord, we think and pray that, believe that you will Give us wisdom on raising more able people, faithful people in the New Testament, faithful men who will teach others also. And uh, we pray that shepherding discipleship will grow. We pray that the growth groups will multiply. And we pray that those who are shy to join or think they have no time to join would really pray and think through their schedule and give time to you, trusting you for the other things in their lives. Father, be glorified. In Jesus' name, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit, may God bless you so abundantly today and this year and forever. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. Palakpakan natin si Lord.